I've been going through my desk. Never crossed my mind when I was a younger woman that I'd be this age and not have kids. Somehow in my mind, kids, raising them, making them good people. That's what I wanted. And then I met you and I realized that I'd be trading my dreams so that we could live yours. We sacrificed all of that so we could do good. We have done good. I was never prouder when you fought to make hate crimes a capital and federal offense. You stood so tall, defied the world, and you won. And, and it was then that I realized that all of our sacrifices were not in vain, that you were a good man. And now, everything you have ever achieved will be eliminated because with this horrible filth, you'll go down as a second-rate Joe McCarthy. Your problem, Shelley, is that you have no sense of history. She's no good. Welcome to the main event. I open up with that clip from the movie The Contender that if you haven't seen, it's, uh, it's, it's a really good movie with Jeff Bridges as the president and uh, Gary Oldman as the, uh, the Senate majority leader or the leader of the, of the committee that confirms vice presidents. And uh, that was his wife talking to him. And I, th- and I use that clip because I think that's probably a conversation between Adam Schiff's wife and him. Maybe Jerry Nadler and his wife, if, if, if he was good enough to actually trick somebody into marrying him. Um, and maybe, uh, maybe even Nancy Pelosi and her husband, you know, they're all looking at this stuff and maybe the dumb people out there are, are buying this BS, but you know, you gotta, you gotta think that you gotta think that the, the husbands and wives of these people that are just out there lying and making fools of themselves to try and bring down Trump because they don't have any other way um, are saying, you know, what? you have no sense of history. You know, everything you've done in your in your political career is going to be erased 
and you're going to go down like a second-rate Joe McCarthy. You you have no sense of history, and uh, so I thought that was perfect because I just, I just, you know, I just, I had I I answered a tweet that uh that Nancy Pelosi uh, uh tweeted, and I responded to it, and I say, hey, you know, she's she's complaining about something that Trump said, and I say, hey, maybe you should stop this this uh, behind closed doors farce of a of a impeachment uh impeachment thing that you're trying to do i said and i put in big letters this this will go down as your legacy and uh you know people are uh people are going to forget anything she did i already forgot cuz i don't know anything she did that was that was useful but apparently the people in san francisco keep voting for her so she must do something for them uh i don't know what but um uh but for some reason she's uh maybe the, maybe she threatened to to uh, hurt them, and they're just trying to avoid any pain, but they keep voting her in. I don't know what the people in Burbank do. Uh, what uh, what brings them to uh, keep elect uh, reelecting uh, Adam Schiff? Hopefully, they come out of the out of the uh, ether. Um, but uh, and then that song was uh, "Lawyers in Love," Jackson Brown, nineteen eighty three. Um, and I'm just seeing, watching all these lawyers, and watching all these lawyers across the country. You know. Uh, uh, mostly in Washington D.C., but the amazement of these uh, these uh, judges from every every corner of the every corner of the country that every time Trump tries to do something, some federal judge signs something to stop it, and then all of a sudden he has to go to uh, court to fight to uh, to actually exercise his own powers. It's amazing. It's amazing to me that Trump can keep moving forward and doing the things he's doing in in the face of all this all this battle he's going through and he's still he's still making changes he's still he's still pushing through stuff even though he's still uh he he is responding to the to the criticism and uh, and all the and all the riffraff and all the propaganda but he's still moving forward and he's still concentrating on that i wonder uh what those 535 uh people in the Senate and Congress are doing for the 172,000 ish they each get all they're working on is impeachment. They don't care about anything else that's going on. Seems to me like there's other problems in the country and, uh, or other things that could be improved on and things that could get done. Um, but all they're working on is impeachment. I don't know what the Republicans are doing. Cause I only see a handful of them. They're actually making any noise. Um, I'm kind of disappointed that, uh, that none of them will stick their heads up above the crowd and uh, and get get nasty and dirty with the with the uh, with the Democrats and uh, or maybe they're trying and just the mainstream media is not putting them on. But uh, I know that Don and I talk about this talk about this. Hey, where are the Republicans? Why, what are the Republicans doing? You see Jim Jordan and uh, Georgia Congressman. Doug Collins, you see him him talking, and Lindsey Graham, and you see a, you see a handful of them, but you know what? All the Democrats are making noise, and they're all and they're all uh, they're all they're all just making ac- accusatory statements to to make Trump look bad, and they don't have they don't have any uh, they don't have any 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 basis behind them. Well, you know, we got to stop the uh, Trump from breaking the law. He's continuously breaking the law. What did what laws did he break? What is he doing? You know you don't like him, so all of a sudden he's a criminal. So it's uh it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that this stuff goes on and it's going unchecked because the people that control the uh, the media are uh, are 
picking and choosing what, what goes on there. So anyway, uh, I'm going to talk about everything, everything that makes me say these things, all the things that I observed over the last week. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, day or night, toll-free, Area code 855-640-2020. Uh, if you want to get some information but you don't want to talk on the phone, just yeah, I don't want to get too personal. Let him ask questions back to me before I get answers to my questions. Go to edhoffman.net. Scroll down on the page. You'll see a Summit Funding logo. Click on that, and uh, that'll take you to my lending page. You can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back, and you'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates, uh, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Brian Goodman, and we will help you find the missing piece to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, if there's anything on the on the show that you want repeated, also on edhoffman.net, you can get the podcast page. Click on the podcast. You can hear this show as well as, well as several past shows, and you can download them, listen to them for free uh, at, at any time. You can also uh, get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can uh, subscribe for free and have it once a week. It'll download to your uh, your iPhone or your Android or your iWatch or your iPad or your iPod or your mini pad or your maxi pad or your computer or anything you can listen to podcasts on. Uh, social media, follow me on Twitter, at Ed Hoffman, where I... Uh, Tweet about current events all week long, uh, some weeks more than others. And uh, the Facebook page for the main event is uh, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Um, what else did I leave out? Uh, I can't think of anything I left out. Um, but I don't talk a lot about mortgage, mortgages and, uh, and finance on the radio, but interest rates are great, great, great. Um, if you haven't looked into refinancing, uh, refinancing or if you're thinking about buying a house, do it now. Your money, your your purchasing power is is way more with the lower interest rates than it was before. Or if you got adult kids that haven't bought yet, uh, send them my way, and you'll have someone who thinks like like you. If you think like me, um, that will be advising them towards what's best for them. All right, so let's talk about what's going on this week. Uh, so just when we were starting to wonder if Hunter Biden was going to get away with uh, staying silent forever. The former vice president's son gave his first interview on his business in Ukraine this week. Uh, fortunately, uh, fortunately, he was interviewed by a real journalist, Amy Robach of ABC News, who uh, did not hold back on asking him hard questions on his actions. First questions. Do you regret being on the board of Burisma? No, I don't regret being on the board. What I regret is not taking into account that there would be a Rudy Giuliani um, and a um, and a president of the United States that would be listening to this this ridiculous conspiracy idea, which has again been completely debunked by everyone. Yeah, it's a ridiculous conspiracy idea. You know, Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump are are cooking this thing up. I think it might have been someone closer to you, Hunter. Maybe your dad. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. Yeah, you know, uh, when your dad does something like that, which is actual, which is exactly quid pro quo, and then he's dumb enough to go and say it on video um, in front of a group of people, and it goes on to YouTube, 
it's kind of hard to uh, blame that on Rudy Giuliani or Donald Trump or anybody else. And it's kind of hard for those of us that think clearly to say, hey, you know what? Uh, We got to check into what Trump said to the uh, to the uh, Ukraine president Zelensky, um, because, you know what? And because Biden did exactly. As vice president, what they're accusing Trump of in a in a innuendo kind of uh, a way, because the, the transcripts of the phone call don't indicate it, don't indicate he made any pressure or said anything uh, about quid, you know, holding back funds uh, in exchange for the, you know, in until they investigate uh, Biden's uh, Biden's dealings over there. But it's exactly remember, and this should if if you're if you're not fully engaged on this, this should make you really mad because. Joe Biden was over there with $1.6 billion of our taxpayer money. It wasn't his money that he's negotiating with. It was our taxpayer money. And he's over there saying, hey, you know what? Fire your your uh, your your attorney general or whatever they call him over there. Fire this prosecutor uh, or else you're not getting the money. No, protect my son or else you're not getting any support from the United States. And what we come what we come to learn later is that uh, our whole support of Ukraine uh, financially for their military all comes from uh, a whole bunch of uh, of donations by the company Burisma to probably a dozen different political figures in the Democrat Party, and they were all urging uh, Obama to uh, to uh, support uh, to support Ukraine and give uh, American aid. American aid for their military, and uh, if, if you wa- if you follow the money, you'll find out that Burisma made donations to a, a bunch of people, but the most, the most, the biggest chunk was going to the Biden family. So let's get back onto his interview. Fortunately, it's Trump fault, and this is a conspiracy theory. Wasn't a good enough answer for Amy Robach. So does Hunter know just how privileged he is? If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. You didn't have any extensive knowledge about natural gas or Ukraine itself, though. Uh, no, but I think that I had as much knowledge as anybody else that was on the board, if not more. In the list that you gave me of the reasons why you're on that board, you did not list the fact that you were the son of the vice president. Of course, president. yeah. No, I, what I, role do you think that played? I think that it is impossible for me to be on any of the boards that I just mentioned without saying that I'm the son of the vice president of the United States. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it doesn't, ta- it doesn't take a lot of common sense. Uh, to understand, well, you know, hey, I wouldn't have got places. You know, it's it's it reminds me of a story uh, uh, about my son. My son Ryan is going to turn thirty five on Thanksgiving this year, and uh, about ten years ago, he went to he went to culinary school and did the the tried running restaurants, and he wasn't get you know he wasn't getting paid very good, and uh, wasn't going up. And I kept telling him, I said, hey, you know what? The biggest money makers out there are not people in the restaurants. It's it the majority is stocks stocks and and uh in real estate and say i know you don't i don't want to ride on my coattails ride it on my coattails but you know you you could you could at least jump on the train take as much help as i'd give to anybody he goes dad you know it would be easy for me to get involved in real estate stuff if you weren't in it but i want to blaze my own trail finally i convinced him to uh to get involved and he 
he wouldn't take he wouldn't take any extra help from me that I wouldn't give to anybody else in in the company and uh and he's done well with that. Hunter Biden went to law school. You know, he didn't go to culinary school like Ryan did uh and junior college. He went to he went to law school and he couldn't understand it. So what are they teaching at Yale Yale Law School? I don't know. Obviously not common sense. So let's not let's not uh let's just forget for a minute about whether this was right or wrong. Can Hunter even admit that it looked bad. What do you say to people who believe this is exactly why people hate Washington? A vice president's son can make money in countries where your father is doing official no, government by the business. Way, well, I, I don't know what to tell you. In retrospect, I right, wished that my judgment. Time, you never, it never, you never thought this might not look right. You know what? I'm a human. And you know what? Did I make a mistake? Well, maybe in 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 the grand scheme of things, yeah. But did I make a mistake based upon some unethical lapse? Absolutely not. And uh, how about his father's claim that they never discussed Ukraine business? Hunter's answer. Uh, no, uh, yes, kind of, uh, uh, no. Did you and your father ever discuss Ukraine? No. As I said, the only time was after a news account. It wasn't a discussion in any way. There's no but to this. No, we never did. Well, after a news, uh, 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 well, you almost slipped there, Hunter. And we know when we heard you almost slipped, that means you had something else to say, but then you caught yourself. Uh, this guy must be a skillful attorney. Um, I'll also tell you, also tell you that my personal attorney, um, when I started uh, using him and when I did his first loan, uh, 25 years ago, probably. And, uh, I said, Hey, we can do this and we can say this and let's just put this on there. He goes, no, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to change any figures. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to put anything that isn't a hundred percent accurate because I don't know somewhere in my, somewhere in the rest of my, uh, Somewhere down the road, I might decide to use my law degree and run for political office, and I don't want anything that could ever come up in the future that might might uh might I might regret. You know that's 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 how ethical attorneys are supposed to be. Well, I think all attorneys are supposed to be ethical. So we go on. And how about China? That country gave gave you a one point five billion when you flew over there with your dad on Air Force Two. We saw you yep. in those photos getting off of Air Force Two with your daughter, with I your just, father. I you have traveled there. everywhere with my dad. And I went there because my daughter was right. on the trip, too. But did you yeah. talk about China no. or your deal with China? No. A 12-hour flight over? No, no, of course not. That never came up? No. Of course not. Of course not. Well, you know, we just finished a trip to China. Uh, did you talk about how good the Chinese food was or what you liked? Did you, did you talk about what, what Joe Biden was doing over there? You didn't talk about anything? Uh, I have a I have a real, real, real hard time believing that. I mean, a 12-hour flight. Okay, you're going to sleep part of the time. You're going to watch some movies part of the time. But at some point, you just chit-chat. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I've just been on a I've been on a few long flights with my wife and uh, or long drives with my long drives with family members and friends and and you go somewhere and then on the way back you talk about what you accomplished or what you did or you know you you make mention of, you it just comes up but not in the Biden family no of course not of course not but believe it or not 2019 was not the first time somebody asked Joe Biden about he and his son engaging in massive conflicts of interest and the one who dared to ask NBC's Tom Brokaw Back in 2008, when Biden was running for president in the primary against Barack Obama, and the media had no idea that they would one day need to protect Biden while running against President Trump, 
Brokaw asked a very blunt question about rumors of Biden Incorporated policy conflicts involving Hunter. Brokaw grilled Joe about Hunter being hired by MBNA, which uh, was a big credit card company at the time. I don't think they're in business anymore. Uh, a credit card company based in Delaware. Right out, of, right out of law school, Biden had received campaign contributions from a company and was asked, well, was even working on a bill MBNA wanted passed when his son joined their board. It was the Wall Street Journal that first reported in August of 2008. They put Biden's candidacy is also bringing new scrutiny to his family's business dealings, especially those of his son, Hunter, 38 years old. Brokaw asked Biden about his, about the reports. And that's a reference to uh, your son being hired right out of law school by a big company here in uh, Delaware that is in the credit card business, MBNA. They, he got about $100,000 a year, as I recall. Uh, you received $214,000 in campaign contributions from the company and from its employees. Uh, at the same time, you were fighting for a bankruptcy bill that uh, MBNA really wanted to get passed through the Senate, making it much tougher for everyone to file bankruptcy. Uh, Senator Obama was opposed to the bill. Among other things, uh, you couldn't, in fact, claim that you had a problem because of big medical bills. Uh, you voted against uh, an amendment that would call uh, for a warning on predatory lending. Um, you also called for, a, um, you opposed efforts to strengthen the protection of people in bankruptcy. This has been an issue that you've heard about before. Uh, your son was working for the company at the, at the same time. In retrospect, wasn't it inappropriate for someone like you in the middle of all this to have your son collecting money from this big credit card company while you were on the floor protecting its interest? Absolutely not. My son graduated from Yale Law School. The starting salary in Wall Street was $140,000 a year if he went to lawyer. Options he had. He came home to work for a bank. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Uh, you know what? I don't know how things were in 2008, and I don't know if Wall Street is any different, but uh, my experience is lawyers coming right out of law school, um, they don't start at 100 grand. They don't start for 140 grand. That's usually about the, the balance on their student loan uh, debt when they get out of school, but they start for much much less than that until they start to show their uh, show their uh, their strength and their and their and their abilities. Maybe if he's top of his class, maybe if he was, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tom Cruise in the movie The Firm, and he said, "Hey, we could make a hundred thousand one day uh, after a couple of raises." It doesn't happen. It's not one hundred forty thousand right out of law school. Uh, and this week's uh, in this week's Democratic debate. And more to come on this. Uh, moderator Anderson Cooper showed he's willing to be a real journalist once in a while by asking Biden this. The question is, if it's not OK for a president's family to be involved in foreign businesses, why was it OK for your son when you were vice president? Vice President Biden. Look, uh, my son did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. I carried out the policy of the United States government in rooting out corruption in in Ukraine. And that's what we should be focusing on. And what I wanted to make a point about, and my, my son's statement speaks for itself, what I think is important is we focus on why it's so important to remove this man from office. My son's statement speaks for itself. 
I did my job. I never discussed a single thing with my son about anything having to do with Ukraine. No one has indicated I have. We've always kept everything separate. Even when my son was the attorney general of the state of Delaware, we never discussed anything. So there'd be no potential conflict. Yeah, what I think is important is that we don't focus on me and the crimes that I committed, but instead look at Donald Trump. Because if you look at me too close, you're going to find out that I'm a crook and a criminal and uh, not worthy of the office of, uh, of the presidency of the United States. Besides the fact that I can't really put two co- coherent sentences together and uh, make any sense. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for uh, this half of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes, commercials, traffic, weather, and sports. And I'll be right back with part two. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 590, the answer. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about real estate and financing, but if you uh, own a house and you haven't looked into refinancing yet, rates are really good. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. If you're over 62 and you haven't heard about this reverse mortgage thing, or if you haven't looked into it to find out how it works, the lower the interest rates go, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. These are awesome, awesome tools. I had somebody uh, call in because they don't like my commercial. Cause I said, the only re- only difference is between this is you don't have to make payments you don't want to. Oh, I'm tired of hearing that because there's also another difference. You can't, you, can't, uh, you can't rent the house out. Well, okay, you're right. You're right there, but... I was talking about if you live in the house and you're uh, and you're thinking about refinancing versus a reverse mortgage, here's your difference. People uh, get get uh, hung up on little details and uh, one minute commercial is a one minute commercial. So anyway, uh, if you want to find out about real estate uh, financing on a, a house you own or a house you'd like to own, call me toll free 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo and uh, tell me what you want. Uh, so, hey, I was talking about the uh, the Hunter Biden thing in the first half, and uh, just uh, Friday morning, um, the Washington Post came out with uh, this, that a diplomat tells investigators he raised alarms in 2015 about Hunter Biden's Ukraine work, but was rebuffed. I mean, that thing's means blown off. A career State Department official overseeing Ukraine policy told con- congressional investigators this week behind one of these closed-door meetings, uh, that he raised concerns in early 2015 about Vice President Joe Biden's son serving on the board of Ukrainian ed- energy company, but was turned away by a Biden staffer, according to three people familiar with the testimony. George Kent, a deputy as- assistant secretary, testified Tuesday that he worried about 
worried that Joe Biden's position at the firm Burisma Holdings would complicate efforts by U.S. diplomats to convey to Ukrainian officials the importance of avoiding conflicts of interest, said the people who spoke on the condition of anonymity because of confidentiality rules. So, So somebody that was in that room said this is what he said. But they went on want to be anonymous because they didn't want to get in trouble by by Adam Schiff going to going to give him a spanking for saying that stuff. Kent said he had concerns that Ukrainian officials would view Hunter Biden as a conduit for currying influence with his father, said the people. But when Kent raised the the issue with Biden's office, he was told that then Vice President didn't have the bandwidth to deal with the issue involving his son son because his other son Bo was battling cancer. Uh, said people familiar with the testimony. Um, and the testimony by Kent offers a reminder that as Democrats probe President Trump's alleged actions in pressuring Ukraine to dig up compromising information on Biden, the impeachment inquiry also threatens to keep alive questions that the former vice president's handling of the son's foreign work at a precarious moment in his 2020 campaign. And, you know, say hey, this is the Washington Post saying, hey, as they're trying to trying to look into Trump's uh, pressing Ukraine to dig up compromising information, I thought he was asking about, hey. Biden said he did this. Is this true? So uh, anyway, it's all the perspective of how you look at things. So let's uh, let's talk about other things that are going on this this past week. In the aftermath of the withdrawal of American troops from north northeastern uh, Syria, uh, the resulting power vacuum has led the led to the Turkish invasion and the absorption of the Kurdish forces by Russia. It's chaos. But it's no longer our chaos. And President Trump is making making that clear. Here he is on Wednesday. We have a situation where Turkey is taking land from Syria. Syria is not happy about it. Let them work it out. We shouldn't be over there. On Monday, Trump and the Turkish President Erdogan had a phone call joined by one of the Republican critics of the of the withdrawal, Lindsey Graham. Here's his take uh, on the on the uh, conversation after listening in. Yeah, there's a call to President Erdogan and Mezlun, the leader of the Kurdish forces that helped us destroy ISIS. The first thing I learned is that President Trump did not give Erdogan a green light. I would urge President Trump to release to the public the letter he sent to Erdogan urging him not to invade Syria. It was a very good letter. The president did not wake up one day and tell Erdogan, you can have Syria. Uh, Erdogan went into Syria against President uh, Trump's advice and counseling, and now it's up to President Trump and the rest of us to fix it. But I blame Erdogan, not Trump. And realize just because we're not camping a thousand soldiers right there, to uh to keep the peace and help build their uh their uh their country um we still have we have uh the military in the in the region and if they start doing something that we need to attack we can attack um and just because we pulled our troops out of harm's way doesn't mean we've abandoned the kurds vice president mike pence and secretary of state mike pompeo traveled this week to turkey to persuade erdogan to pull back on attacks against kurdish forces and civilians and the president sent a second letter to erdogan and uh his second letter we have here says dear mr president let's work out a good deal let's work out a good deal you don't want to be responsible for slaughtering thousands of people and i don't want to be responsible for destroying the turkish economy and i will I've already given you a little sample with respect to Pastor Brunson. Um, I've worked hard to solve some of your problems. Don't let the world down. You can make a great deal. General Maslam is is willing to negotiate with you, and he's willing to, to make concessions that they would have never made in the past. I'm confidently enclosing a copy of his letter to me just received. 
History will look upon you favorably if you get this done the right and humane way. It will look upon you forever as the devil if good things don't happen. Don't be a tough guy. Don't be a fool. I'll call you later. You know what? That's how I want my president to talk. Like, hey, you know what? If you're gonna if you're gonna do stupid stuff, we're gonna lean on you. You know, it doesn't all, everything doesn't have to be military or uh, or roll over and play dead. And that's what uh, Obama and some of our other presidents have done. It's hey, I'm just gonna roll over and play dead. I'm gonna talk tough, but then I'm not gonna do anything. Uh, and although uh, Erdogan ignored the threat, Trump held his ground on de- on demanding a ceasefire. If they don't, the uh, sanctions and tariffs and other things that we're doing, we will do and are doing to Turkey, will be devastating to Turkey's economy. And uh, on Wednesday, Schumer and Pelosi pulled one of their classic gimmicks, going to the White House on the pretense of having a serious meeting about Syria, then leaving outraged before the meeting was over so they could make up a bunch of lies for the press. Here's Chucky Schumer and Nancy standing next to him pretending to hold back tears. (laughs) He was insulting particularly to the speaker. She kept her cool completely. But he called her a third-rate politician. He said that the there are communists involved and you guys might like that. I mean, this was not a dialogue. It was sort of a diatribe, a nasty diatribe, not focused on the facts. Oh, my God. Trump said things like that to her? Uh, behind closed doors? In in private, in front of just a few people, not on not on uh, national TV. Ah oh, man, that's terrible. I would I would have thought he'd you know hold a press conference and say those kind of things. Uh, he probably did that too. But uh, how humiliating! How how insulting! The 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 speaker had to keep her cool, and now she's almost crying. Yeah, give me a break. The BS that they're pulling on him. Well, that's one side of it. Now let's hear the truth from the Repu- from a Republican who was in the room, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. I see a pattern of behavior with uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She storms out of another meeting, trying to make it unproductive. The other Democrats stayed and actually had a very productive meeting with the General from the Joint Chiefs, with the Secretary of Defense. And the President in this meeting stated what his number one goal is to make sure America is safe. We talked with the general, listened to the plan. Very productive between the Democrats who actually stayed in the meeting. Unfortunately, the speaker tries to make everything political. Her own statements weren't productive. To storm out of a meeting, which I've watched time before during other crises, is really not the ability of a speaker or the style how a speaker should carry herself out. You know what? Uh, I think, I think the only reason they called that meeting was so that they could they could say, "Hey, we just talked to him, and he's a madman. He doesn't have any plan. Everybody's advising against him." Well, he had the Joint Chief of Staff in there, and he had the Secretary of Defense, and I have no doubt, I have no doubt that uh, Trump has has talked to leading military advisors and uh, and come up come up with a logical solution and uh, to what they're doing, and at some point at some point. Um, at some point we can't be everything to everybody in the world. And, uh, at some point we have to take a different, take a different stance. And, uh, while I, uh, while I support us keeping ISIS under control and keeping them over there, um, 
I'm going to wait and see what happens because I've I've heard different sides of the, sides to this. I have uh, I like I said last week I have have uh, mixed feelings on on uh, whether he did the right thing or not. But I'm not taking judgment because I'm not the president. I don't know everything that he knows, and uh, and Pelosi doesn't care. And neither does Schumer. All they want to do is say stuff that will put doubts in people's minds that don't pay attention, um, so they can start. So they'll support the impeachment. The impeachment's not going to happen, and uh, and everybody knows that. But they know that they know that there's no way that they're not they're going to lose they're going to lose the election next year. And I don't want to take that for granted, but they know they know they don't have anybody who can who can stand up to Trump. And they know Trump. Trump is is doing good. He's doing good for our country. Well, you know, we're, our our enemies our enemies don't fear us, and our and our uh, allies don't respect us. That's bull. Our uh, allies do respect us, and our enemies do fear us because they know that Trump will push the button if he needs to. Trump will send the military, and Trump will will cripple their economy. And he he's not afraid to uh, to uh, to to step on people's toes that he, that he rules America and he's protecting America is his, his job. So anyway, let's get into, uh, let's get into the exciting stuff that happened on uh Tuesday night, the CNN democratic debate. It's just been, it's been over a month since the last uh, democratic primary debate. Uh, but we got a real treat on Tuesday night as CNN and New York times debate in Ohio revealed new dynamics in the democratic presidential race. Mayor Pete Buttigieg and uh, other B-list candidates were newly aggressive in making their points. For the first time, Senator Elizabeth Warren took fire from multiple rivals trying to knock her off the top. And former Vice President Joe Biden struggled to make an impact as it became uh, pretty clear many people are only supporting him out of sympathy. And, of course, he's struggling to try and try and put two coherent sentences together in a row. Um, but one thing that these candidates had in common, a comically intense desire to impeach President Trump speedy and expeditious impeachment process they would have no choice no choice but to begin an impeachment proceeding which gives them more power and he has consistently since he won been selling out the american people well it's a mistake on the part of republicans who enable a president whose actions are as offensive to their own supposed values impeachment is the way that we establish that this man will not be permitted to break the law over and over without consequences yeah i would i would ask uh, kamala harris uh, how has the president been selling out the American people? How has he been selling out the American people? Because I saw Biden admit that he took $1.6 billion of our money and, uh, to the Ukrainian, to the, to Ukraine, to, uh, and, and held it hostage to save his son. Uh, I don't know. That wasn't his money. It wasn't his money. And, uh, but it was his doing the, the conflict of interest. It was there. And uh, and and I'd ask I'd ask Elizabeth Warren, he can't continue to break the law. What laws did he break? I don't know. I haven't seen that yet. Uh, so the candidates have moved on from piling on Biden. Now that uh, Elizabeth Warren is a stronger front runner, it's her turn to get surrounded. Uh, Liz's catchphrase may be, uh, "I have a plan for that." And uh, but when it comes to Medicare for all, she had a hard time explaining what it is. So it was up to lower tier candidates like Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar uh, to hold her accountable for it. Your signature, Senator, is to have a plan for everything except this. 
No plan has been laid out to explain how a multi-trillion dollar hole in this Medicare for All plan that Senator Warren is putting forward is supposed to get filled in. At least Bernie's being honest here and saying how he's going to pay for this and that taxes are going to go up. And I'm sorry, Elizabeth, but you have not said that. And so here was her answer. I have made clear what my principles are here, and that is costs will go up for the wealthy and for big corporations and for hardworking middle class families. Costs will go down. Yeah. So tax when she says costs, that means taxes. And uh, and, you know, her her plan, what she doesn't understand for wealthy Americans and corporations, the costs are going to go up. You know how you know how Trump created so many jobs and got the the unemployment rate down to three and a half. You know how he did that? By lowering taxes to corporations and the corporations created the jobs. He didn't just take a bunch of money and hire people to do uh, government jobs. He took away the taxes and let the corporations do it. Let the free market run itself. Get out of the way so the free market can can can, can build itself. The government doesn't have to do everything for everybody. And the and the and the bigger the government, the smaller the the citizen. We want to we want to let the free market do its thing and let the government do what it's supposed to do, uh, enforce the laws and protect the citizens from foreign enemies. And that's all that's all it needs to do. And then get out of the way for everybody else. So uh, the air was thick with tension when uh, Warren attempted to take credit for proposing my least favorite government bureaucracy, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. You know, all these new rules and uh, mortgages, why it costs so damn much to uh, to uh, make a loan happen, why, you know, your interest rates would be much lower than they are now, uh, except for how much it costs to, to uh, make loans with all the new compliance stuff and all that stuff. Biden got visibly got vis- visibly angry as Warren was trying to take credit for it. Warren messed with him more after that. I got votes for that bill. I convinced people to vote for it. So let's get those things straight too. Senator Warren, do you want to respond? I am deeply grateful to President Obama who fought so hard to make sure that agency was passed into law. <laughs> who was who was it last uh the last debate i think it was cory booger that uh said uh uh that he said hey you know what you can't continue to take credit for everything that obama did because you're not obama and you weren't the president and then then take then when it's uh then when it's inconvenient on something that obama did that didn't work out good to say well i was the vice president i wasn't i wasn't the president uh so Anyway, that was that was pretty funny. Uh, but where was Bernie in all this? Fresh off of his heart attack two weeks ago, the socialist candidate is back in top form despite having lost much of his 2016 support to other candidates. Senator, we are all very glad you're feeling Thank well, you. as you just said. Um, but, but there is a question on a lot of people's minds, and I want to address it tonight. You're 78 years old, and you just had a heart attack. How do you reassure Democratic voters that you're up to the stress of the presidency? Well, uh, let me invite you all to a major rally we're having in Queens, New York, BernieSanders.com. We're going to have a special guest at that event, and we are going to be mounting a vigorous campaign all over this country. That is how I think I can reassure the American people. Yeah, let me think. Who would that special guest be in Queens, New York? Mm, Who would be the next 
next biggest socialist candidate who happens to be the congressman in Queens, New York. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, uh, up to this point, mainstream media has has danced around the age question because all the all all they want is just someone who can beat Donald Trump because they don't care. They don't care. They, hey, we just got to get that mean guy, the guy with the with the comb over and the uh, and the blonde hair. We know it's really gray, but he must be coloring it because it's different colors. Sometimes we got to get rid of that guy. We don't like him, regardless what he's doing for the country. We don't, so we don't care what we do to the country to get rid of him. Uh, up to this point, they've they've just ignored it. Let's just beat him. But now uh, that most of the younger candidates are struggling to stay in the race, Beta O'Dork and uh, Cory Booger and uh, even uh, Kamala Kamala Harris, who who's almost dead in this uh, thing, they're almost irrelevant at this point. It's time to acknowledge that their three major candidates are all over seventy. Uh, this isn't easy for Democrats, after all. This is the party that told us John McCain and Mitt Romney were too old to be president. Uh, they thought that, you know, they said, Hey, you know what? He's not going to live this. He's, he's going to be like, he's going to be like uh, 70 or something. When, if he got nominated, if he got, uh, inaugurated, and then he'd be 78 by the end of his second, uh, second, uh, term. Uh, they thought someone like, like Booker or Harris was the young blood America needed, but apparently America doesn't agree. So after Bernie got his heart attack question, Aaron Burnett asked Biden about his age and he didn't take it so well. If you're elected, you will turn 80 during your first term. Last month, former President Jimmy Carter said he could not have undertaken the duties of the presidency at 80 years old. Why are you so sure that you can? Because I've watched it. I know what the job is. I've been engaged. Look, one of the reasons I am running is because of my age and my experience. With it comes wisdom. We need someone to take office this time around who on day one can stand on the world stage, command the respect of world leaders from Putin to our allies, and know exactly what has to be done to get this country back on track. And I will release my medical records, as I have 21 years of my tax records, which no one else on this stage has done, so that you can have full transparency as to my health and what I am doing. Just to be clear, Mr. Vice President, when will you release those records? Before the first vote. Before Iowa? Yes. Not by the end of this year? Well, before Iowa. I mean, look, I've released them before. I mean, I've released 55 pages a month. I'm the only guy that's released anything up here. Yeah, then it was then it was Elizabeth Warren's turn. Senator Warren, like Senator Sanders and Vice President Biden, if you win the presidency, you would be the oldest president ever inaugurated in a first term. You would be 71. 40% of Democratic primary voters say they think a candidate under the age of 70 is more likely to defeat President Trump. What do you say to them? Well, I say I will outwork, outorganize, and outlast anyone. Uh, and that includes Donald Trump, Mike Pence, or whoever the Republicans get stuck with. Yeah, I, uh, I, have, a, I have my doubts on that. If she, if she even gets the nomination... I look forward to a mano y mano uh, debate between her and Trump because he's going to eat her lunch because none of her none of her policies make any sense. Um, and you know, for a businessman, a businessman that is smart as Trump, um, he's just going to make her look like an idiot or any of the other ones up there. If you're happy to see Ellen De- Degenerate uh, telling sensitive sensitive libs to calm down this week after she dared to have fun at a football game with the evil 43rd president of the United States, George W. Bush, then you might like the way the debate wrapped up. Here's Anderson Cooper. 
We have time for one more question that we would like all of you to weigh in on. Last week, Ellen DeGeneres was criticized after she and former President George W. Bush were seen laughing together at a football game. Ellen defended their friendship, saying we're all different, and I think that we've forgotten that that's okay, that we're all different. So in that spirit, we'd like you to tell us about a friendship that you've had that would surprise us, what impacts it's had on you and your beliefs. And there were some interesting answers. Republicans like uh, like Trey Gowdy, for example, happened to be in the elevator with a Republican member of Congress, Will Hurd. Um, you asked about a, a surprising friend. Uh, for me, it would be Charles Freed. Uh, Twenty seven years ago, uh, when I was uh, under consideration for a job, he was someone who had been uh, uh, George Bush the first uh, solicitor general. I went out to try to invite every one of my Republican colleagues to dinner. And let me again say, finding a dinner in a restaurant, agreeing on one with Ted Cruz was a very difficult thing. Yeah, it's amazing how, uh, you know, did you notice Beto O'Rourke, his, uh, his uh, friendship was, uh, I rode in an elevator with the Republican Will Hurd. Now it's uh, it's funny. And then, of course, uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren talking about, you know, 27 years ago. Well, from all uh, evidence, 27 years ago, she was a Republican. So I don't know. Uh, but there was one specific name that got dropped a lot over and over. Um, when I was chairman of the Senate Committee on Veterans Affairs, uh, I tried to get through the most comprehensive piece of veterans legislation in modern American history. And I failed. I only had two Republicans to vote with me in the Senate. So we have to go back to the drawing board. And I work with John McCain. Uh, for me, it's John McCain, and I miss him every day. The two people maybe would surprise you the most were, uh, he's been mentioned twice, but John McCain. John McCain worked for me. Yeah, John McCain, every Democrat's favorite Republican because he's the most Democrat of all the Republicans in history. Maybe we call him Rhino. And uh, I know some, I've, I've talked about some personal things about, uh, that, about uh, John McCain that take away my respect for, for him. And I talked about it before he died, so I'm not going to go over that today. But uh, one, last, one last thing, if i got 30 seconds left, um, that uh, Elizabeth Warren was talking about how she's going to bring out a wealth tax that's going to tax uh, people that are worth more than $50 million. Two cents. They can give up two cents. Two cents on every dollar above fifty million, and uh, the numbers come out that it's going to raise that will raise two point seven five trillion over ten years. But her Medicare for All plan is going to cost thirty two trillion. So the math doesn't work. It doesn't doesn't work out. This uh, give everything free, and that that's to say nothing of the cancel all the student loans and free this and free that. We'll talk more about this next week on the main event.